Leonard Lee here, the host of Say Yes and Become. And before we begin our conversation today, I want to tell you about Papa's Roast Coffee. It's my favorite. Papa's Roast is taken from a single origin coffee source and then roasted in small batches so you get an amazing quality with every bag you buy. The care and expertise shown by Dean and Debbie Christ in making Papa's Roast has made Papa's Roast my favorite coffee to drink each day. Now you can get your own Papa's Roast by ordering online at www.papasroast.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. Now let's get to today's conversation. Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and we are in a great fun series called That One Thing. And we're talking to couples uh, that have been married for a while, and we're asking them to share the wisdom of that thing that they have found or discovered or decided on that allows them to stay uh, stay connected on a deep level, allows them to build a marriage that honors God, honors each other, something that brings joy to them and to the generations that follow their kids and grandkids. And so today I have the privilege of having Joel and Jenny Harmon on for our uh, That One Thing series. Jenny, if you remember, was on our podcast uh, a little while back and uh, told us her story. Uh, actually, she described her writings to us, and that was so fun. Um, as she uh, She's a great, great uh, uh, writer. And so uh, welcome, folks. We're so glad you're here. Joel and Jenny, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Well, it's morning for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's still morning out here. It's 10 after 9, but we... I, <laughs> I did start a few hours ago, uh, or quite a few hours ago, I should say. Um, but man, I'm so glad you're here. Hey, can you tell the people listening just a little bit about yourselves, your family, uh, how long you've been married, and um, each other's deepest, darkest secret? Oh, you got it. Yeah, so uh, Jenny and I, uh, we actually met while we were in college at Chico State uh, University in, in Chico, California. Uh, I want to say it was pretty close to 1992-ish. And um, actually, Jenny will share a little bit where we really first met in Crusade. Go ahead. Campus Crusade. Campus Crusade for Christ, Christian Fellowship on campus. Go ahead. Well, I think it's a... So we've been celebrated 29 years. So it's been 29 years since we've been married. Mm -hmm. And um, we have three adult kids now. Um, our oldest is turning 28 this weekend. She's married with two kids, lives locally. Our middle daughter is just over the summer turned 26 mm -hmm. and she's married and lives in Southern California. And our son is turning 21 in October and he's finishing up his last year of college at wow. Biola. At and, Biola, good school. Yeah, yeah. So we've got three adult kids, two sons-in-law and two beautiful, precious grandchildren. Yes. And what do they call you? Grammy and Papa. Papa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, nice. That's uh, uh, my wife graduated from Chico State, but I'm not going to tell you what year. <laughs> it was uh, it was a little before you. Um, well, I'm so glad you guys are here uh, to talk about that one thing, and um, and and I want to lay the the foundation for uh, for your guys's story without stealing your story. Um, uh, every time somebody gets married, uh, I'm just going to say most every time, they stand up uh, in front of a church, they dress in their best. Uh, she comes down dressed in dazzling white. 
brought in by uh, oftentimes by a parent or somebody who means something. There's the presentation of the bride, and then the the pastor begins to lead you through a set of promises. Uh, and those promises involve things like loving, honoring, cherishing, uh, being faithful, being true, the hidden innuendos in those promises that you will enjoy it, that you will work hard, uh, that you will uh, continue to grow, listen, and respect the, each other. Uh, and then we use that phrase, for better, for worse, rich or poor, sickness and in health, uh, until we Our no longer have that. Out on accident. Yeah, Did he? When the service was over, he, he turned to both of us and I he said, I'm so sorry. Sickness and health. For me. So I didn't say it. So throughout many years, if we got in like a, a disagreement or whatnot, or we were in a situation, I, I would jokingly say, yeah, I didn't health. promise that part in our vows. Uh, I did end up sick. So then I, we had to renew our vows at our 20 year anniversary. So he had to say, I'm good now. Yeah. You're, you're covered, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to just say it was implied. Um, <laughs> we make these vows and we make these promises as young people uh, with uh, all the intention of keeping them, all the intention of building something that uh, we will love for the rest of our days with someone we will love for the rest of our days. And uh, and yet so often uh, life throws at us uh situations and issues and conflicts and a variety of things that we just didn't count on. And uh, you guys have had a couple of those along the way. And so I want to leave it to you to describe uh, your story of, uh, of of these 29 years. And then I've got a, a, about a 3,271 questions. <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and start. Um, you know, when I think back uh, in the very beginning, we had just come off of only being uh, brand new Christians within a couple of years before we got married. Actually got married a year before we graduated from college. Um, and seven months into the, to our marriage, uh, Jenny got pregnant. And uh, we had our, our first that was on the way. And and so... By the anyway, time we graduated, I was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And, and wow. we both came from families that were far from God and not walking with or attending church or anything mm -hmm. growing. So, you know, bringing that into the marriage was, you know, you, you don't really realize um, what that will look like. And then all of a sudden you've become a believer and you're walking with the Lord and trying to walk out, you know, what the Lord would call us all to do as a Christian and as a believer. And so in the early part, you know, there were moments and times where um, we you know, might be in a disagreement. And uh, it wasn't until a few years into the marriage where I, I looked at Jenny one day and said, you know, you don't ever say you're sorry. And then what was really beautiful about that moment wasn't that she wasn't saying she was sorry. It was that what came out of that was it, it, it took some soul searching and thinking. And she said, well, I never heard that in my home growing up. And so it gave me as a husband a way better perspective of, okay. No, there was a little bit different. She'll, she'll tell kind of a little bit more elaborated on it, but um, there was, you know, just this aspect of me realizing, you know what? Um, my upbringing wasn't perfect by far, you know, with my family, but at the same time, you know, I just needed to be able to listen through that, which really helped me understand why that was happening. And we were able to walk through and work that out as we went forward, go ahead. 
Mm. It wasn't just that I didn't hear sorry. When I would say sorry as a child, because I was very sensitive as a young child, I would go and say sorry and it would be uh, crushed. So it would be like, mm. get out of my sight. I don't ever want to look at you again. You know, it wasn't received and I wasn't forgiven. It was kind of like, I would say I was sorry and then be crushed for saying it. So it was risky to say I'm sorry. Yeah. And so I just, I had a really hard time doing it. Not because I didn't want to say I was sorry, but because Correct. every time I did say sorry, I would be hurt further. So, um, so yeah, so we just had to kind of unpack that and figure it out. And I think that by the grace of God, Joel and I both have pretty good emotional intelligence. So we were able to really dig a little deeper, understand the why behind the behaviors and really grow an understanding with one another and, and empathy for one another. And Joel's always been so good at doing that. Um, but yeah, we were like brand new Christians when we got married, but we were not just Christians. We were sold out Christians. Yeah. Like we were like radically, radically transformed, transformed um, completely in love with the Lord and, and wanting to live our lives a hundred percent for him. So I think um, that, played into every decision and everything we did. Um, and by the, again, by the grace of God, he always put mature believers in our life who would mentor us and love us and guide us. And we just always had, we always, you know, had somebody who was um, there to look to for guidance and support. So God was just so gracious in that way. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I was kind of continuing on in that first decade, uh, you know, even though we, we had some good modeling and sought out, a mentor at whatever church we went to as a married couple, um, whether it was Jenny and women's Bible study and and somebody connecting with or me and a men's study and, and another gentleman who was a good decade older than us. Mm -hmm. We felt like you know, we were led well and that, you know, should have somebody seasoned and grounded to be able to lean on and lean into and get advice from. It, and that's it, modeled for us in Campus Crusade. So yes, that's it is exposure we got was we were discipled right away formally discipled through campus crusade mm -hmm. and and so that's was our first introduction to christianity so it's what we always sought out wherever we went we already had a pattern of that so we knew we always needed an older believer in our lives who would be pouring into us and then as we grew we would pour into somebody else as well so we weren't just receiving we were also giving so it was just a model of how we have always lived and then kind of a really key point uh, for me personally as a husband was probably a good 10 years into the marriage uh, actually less was maybe more like six or seven years into it we were faced with it uh, can't go into all the details of it but it was just a family issue with extended family immediate extended family that came up where it brought it was a very very difficult situation for Jenny and I but it brought um, to light uh, through good counseling for me, uh, where the gentleman looked it at me and said, potential to tear us apart. Yeah, it could have it torn us apart bad. if I was in a place where I would have been there to, you know, do something that wasn't so you know good as that. Uh, but fortunately, I got good counsel and the gentleman looked at me and said, you know, by nature, you are a peacekeeper, Joel. Mm. But in this situation, you need to be a peacemaker. I know it's not natural for you. It's not how you're wired, but you need to be a peacemaker. And I took his advice. I took good godly counsel and I did that. Mm -hmm. And I confronted in a Christ-like way 
but I stood my ground and it was transforming for our marriage. And it was probably the best thing I ever did. And we not only grew together and became more mature and walked that out, which was, has now been, you know, 25 years ago that happened that being married, um, coming up almost 30 now. Um, but it also uh, was over time, it was, it was still a good, a positive and, and mm-hmm. something that we worked out as a yeah. extended family too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Jenny, let me ask you a question about that. When you saw him do that, mm-hmm. uh, cause I'm assuming that you, you paid attention and said <laughs> he, this, he's stepping into a, another layer of maturity in his leadership. Uh, what did that do in your heart when you um, watched that happen? It definitely built my confidence in being able to trust him. Um, and it made me just feel a lot more secure because mm-hmm. I had a tendency toward insecurity in the relationship because I grew up with a father who was married four different times. And yeah. um, I, I saw him witness him from a young pre-adolescent girl cheat on every wife he had and so just in my mind growing up as a girl I was just like men are not faithful and um so it's inevitable at some point or another I will be faced with that so it was really hard for that insecurity to like find a healthy place (laughs) and our marriage it took the first 10 years of our marriage until for me to stop uh questioning that he would ever do that um, but yeah, when he stood his ground in that way and chose me over everything else that he loved, um, that, that was such a deposit for me, um, in my heart as a wife. And I just, um, it, it, it absolutely squelched so many other insecurities. It just, um, fortify, it fortified our relationship. It let me know. It's like what the Bible says, like you're to leave and cleave and to cleave to your wife. A, a husband is to leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. Um, there's a reason for that yeah. because otherwise your heart is divided yeah. and you're always going to be put in this position to choose be- between your family of origin and your spouse. And when he chose me and stood his ground in that, I, I, I had that need met and I could, everything else could calm down. It sounds like Joel, that uh, you made a deposit uh, in that moment uh, and there's still stuff in there. There's still uh, what you deposited yeah. 25 years ago is literally still inside the bank of her soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what a cool thing that is. We need to yeah. understand that as husbands that um, uh, when I do marriage prep all the time, I tell couples uh, to look at each other and I say, I'm going to say a woman's greatest need and watch her face when I say it. And they will do that. And I'll say her greatest need is security. And so God's instruction is love your wives in all, go all out in your love for her. Uh, And almost every time I do it, the wife, just like you're doing right now, you're shaking your head. Yes. Uh, Oftentimes they will cry. Uh, Oftentimes they will say that's exactly true. Uh, Many of them never put that together as their greatest need. And so we spend, uh, we spend an hour and a half just talking about, um, how you are not her security, uh, but you provide the environment in which your security in Christ grows. And uh, so sounds like uh, early on, that was a big part of uh, of you guys building. So keep on going. Tell us your story some more. 
Yeah, uh, early on, within just the first couple of years of marriage, in on the same uh, lines of what we were just talking about, um, one of the one of the few things that was really left for me personally was I had trained martial arts at that point for about fifteen years, and for the most part, I had somewhat stepped out of it. We moved to Idaho for a year, and I wasn't doing it. Uh, first time career job, a lot of you know thirteen to fifteen hours a day, crazy, but. Um, there were moments in time where I wanted to to do something, even if it was just a once a once a year type uh, event that I would traditionally do with the group my, you know, I grew up with and trained with. And Jenny just looked at me and said, I need you. And that was really hard for me um, from, you know, looking back, maybe a selfish standpoint and not really understanding, um, you know, everybody's can get to a point where they kind of feel like, as maybe a man or a woman that's like, well, uh, you know, I, I, I do so much, but why can't I just have this one thing? And, and God really walked through that with me and trans transformed my thinking um, as we walked it out and talked through it. Cause really from the very beginning, when we say we were sold out, we still had good instruction, good biblical teaching that helped us have a foundation enough to know that, my spouse, uh, myself, uh, the Ecclesiastes verse uh, three sixteen, I think um, that th you know a cord of three strands yeah. is stronger, <laughs> right? Uh, that that I really needed to one hundred percent lay it all on the line for for Jenny, and as I did that more and more, she can speak to this. I think that helped once we got to that further point down the, the road, six seven years with this other thing where we were able to even know that was hard and you didn't expect something else to come up and raise its ugly head of however we're going to be as humans, as spouses. I think it just helped us in those earlier years mm. um, be able to set that. And the, the area that I would commend Jenny with growing was that the more years that went by where she just shared a bit ago that, um, the insecurity part, she just got more secure and more secure, more secure well, to go, hey, go have your one weekend or whatever Labor Day with the guys. And by the way, take our son now, you know, type of thing. So, yeah. well, I think what shifted and changed was Joel stopped approaching it with the stance of this is the one thing I I get. I get to have this and this is most yeah. important. It doesn't matter what you think I'm going um, instead of approaching it like that. He approached it like you're first and I love you. And if you need me to be here, I'm here, but I'd really like to go to this. And I'd be like, oh yeah, of course go. You know, but when it was like, I don't care what you think I'm going to this because I want it. It felt like, oh, you're choosing that over me. And mm -hmm. that did that, that insecurity would well up and it would create a competition um, because you're presenting as if like, this is non-negotiable. You get to do this. And you don't care how I feel. And so, um, so it was just like, that was always a point of contention we had to work through, but now it's like definitely a different approach. And that different approach changed everything. It was like, Oh, go have fun and enjoy. Yeah. And like, and it was just a different, my response was so different because his approach was so different. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, uh, men have a tendency in their hearts to feel underappreciated. It is, uh, it is almost in every marriage that I end up doing counseling with, a man feels like, 
I do all this. I ask for so little and I'm just underappreciated. You know, she doesn't say thank you like I hope she would. And, you know, I remember bringing my wife flowers early on and I'd hide them behind my back and show them to her and, and she'd go, thanks. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, this deserves a cartwheel and a band. Come on. <laughs> and uh, and what I, what I learned very quickly is that um, uh, Marilee needs time to respond. And I cut off that time to respond when I surprise her or when I demand of her because demands require an immediate response. Um, and I always did those. I always felt underappreciated uh, early on. And I'd be like, but I know she appreciates me, but I, why don't I feel it? And I had to, I had to change my tune a little bit and uh, realize that uh, she shows appreciation differently than uh, the cartwheel in a band. Uh, you know, and so, um, all right, continue on. You're telling me a great story. I want to hear some more. Well, you know, uh, we could go maybe a couple different directions, but I, I think what, what I would do is that was kind of the, like now 30 years, let's, um, I'm splitting it into like thirds here. Uh, okay. Each, your decade, right? <laughs> so we get into year 2000 ish, uh, early two thousands and, we had moved down into the Sacramento Valley in California, um, started at a big church, one you used to be at, Linda, mm -hmm. and uh, and how we got to know each other. Um, so, you know, Jenny and I, from early on, I think because of our Campus Crusade involvement and we were in leadership there, we actually applied to go on staff yeah. full time as a career with Crusade, and it didn't happen, but God closed the door and and uh, I went into the work field. Construction management was my degree, still doing it today. But, you know, one of the things that was, I think, a huge benefit for us as in, in our marriage was no matter what church we went to, we always knew we just a drive that's with, within us that God put in us was that we're going to be involved, whether it's mm -hmm. helping with or attending to uh women's Bible study, men's Bible study, serving, serving in uh, multiple arenas mm -hmm. that, that, uh, we did. Um, um, and of course at that church, you know, we were at, we were there for 21 years up till recently mm -hmm. years ago. So very involved. And, and, and it, it was a season of life in this second decade where we weren't able to be as involved together in those, yeah. some of those ministries, you know, I take the kids and do the, fifth, sixth grade, uh, you know, club 56 coaching. Yeah. Jenny was doing her thing and taking kids to Awanas, but we were, there were places and points where we were involved together, whether it was small group. Um, but, and, and I'm going to jump forward because I just can't help it. In the last 10 years, season of life, kids grown, starting to head off to college. We have been so incredibly blessed to serve together hmm. at church and in, in ministries. Um, and that brought us even closer in relationship, yeah. uh, not just with the Lord, because that's an extremely important component. And Jenny can talk into that, too. I don't want to take up too much of the whole sharing time here. But maybe you could share a little bit of things, you know, with how we serve together. And I think it always kept that that love we have for the Lord just so kindled, because when we first met, we were so on, such on fire, brand new Christians, and our whole 
passion and heart and motivation was to serve the Lord. And so every time we serve the Lord together, it rekindles that, that first love kind of thing of just loving the Lord, chasing after him. And it keeps that passion so kindled when we serve together. And it just reminds us of that, just the excitement we had when we first started dating, got married. And it's just, we've, again, by the grace of God, it's all by the grace of God. We've kept that, that fire stoked. Well, and that that fire stoking for me, um, Jenny can speak into it as, as nothing but enhance our intimacy towards each other. Mm-hmm. That, that love, mm-hmm. that true spirit of God working through, watching God work has ha- just caused me to be so more intimate with my wife yeah. and spiritually too. Oh, that's love. I love that. So before we get too far, our theme is that one thing. And I think you guys have danced all around it without labeling it. Um, what would you, and, and I should say, say it at the exact same time one two three go to see if it matches but i won't i won't set you up that way uh when you guys think about that one thing you go this is the thing that has let us enjoy each other for 30 years what would you think what would you say that is saturation of being in god's word with each other Hmm. and allowing um how would you finish that i don't know just chasing after god together because uh we don't look to each other to meet that yeah. need that only God can meet. Yeah. And so we just love and want to push each other towards Christ. And so that has created just a really healthy relationship hmm. because we're not constantly going, you disappoint me. You aren't feeling, you aren't making me happy. You aren't meeting my needs. Yeah. And yeah. We, we both, we, we not only look to Christ on our own, we point each other to Christ and that has made all the difference. I mean, we can't help but love each other. Yeah. But before yeah. we're husband and wife, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. And we just like, we just intimately love one another in that way. We're such good friends. Um and and lovers. You know, it's like we're both and it's just yeah. like best of every world. So I yeah. uh, without hands down without hesitation, that's a hundred percent what makes our marriage what it is. That's so yeah. great. Yeah, that's so great. I I um I was listening to you talk about that. You you are grounded individually and together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you neither one of you have to say, well, you're only thinking that because you're not you're not tied into Jesus like you should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you encourage each other along the way. Uh, you build each other's uh, grounding and connection to Christ. Um, and it's that whole, that one thing is the fact that um, uh, you guys trust each other's faith enough to build a faith together. Uh, that's a big deal. Um, and so let me ask you this. Uh, it's not on any of the questions I threw out at you, um, but that's just how I roll. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, how do you keep from making each other feel judged in your faith. I know there's a lot of couples that they'll sit down together and uh, one will feel like, well, you're judging me because my insights aren't as good as yours or your insights uh, are, are are wrong or whatever they are, uh, or you have not, uh, you've not put in the hours. You know, my dad used to always say, put your head down and do your job. And uh, that was his way of saying, don't worry about the things around you if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, 
So how do you guys keep each other from feeling judged? Well, uh, let me first lay kind of the groundwork for, for me personally. Um, I was not the top of the class scholarly guy at all. I'm lucky I got through college and thank God I met Jenny because she introduced me to coffee my last year. He wouldn't have graduated without me. Let's be honest. (laughs) It was his will that we got married, our last will here of college. With that being said. No, let me just share this story. So we would be, um, getting ready for bed and he had an exam the next day and I'd be like, are you ready for your test tomorrow? And he'd be like, no, but I'm just going to go to bed. And I was like, what do you mean you're going to bed? You don't go to bed if you're not ready for your test tomorrow. You drink coffee and you stay up all night studying. <laughs> I'm done. And so I wouldn't let him go unprepared into an exam. And so I made coffee, kept him up all night, made him study, quizzed him. And that's how he... Yeah. So so my point in starting with that is that, you know, I'm not a book reader. Jenny is a massive book reader. Uh, we have, I'm looking over at a stack of about 20 that are sitting on her couch next to her every day. Um, and, and and then in addition to that, that kind of led to me for many years. I mean, up until only a handful of years ago. Yes, I went to the men's Bible studies. Yes, um, you know, I was involved in in different things that would would search the word. But I was very spotty in all of my very many years, um, as I just described, and really on my own, searching the scripture the way I know now today, God really, I mean, if if I ever look back and do things differently, that is one that I would definitely um, do different. So what do I mean by that? Well, um, in the last three years, um, whole different subject and conversation won't go into, but both Jenny and I have been um, just really, uh, as a result of world events and or church events and you name it, we have just gone so much more after the word of God yeah. in a very comprehensive way, not a, not a, uh, tunnel vision, singular one book at a time, but all of scripture from yeah. a very reformed aspect. The question was how do we um, and, not judge you? Right. And so, um, when it comes to, the the word of God and or your walk with God and whatnot, you know, I look back and and I think I could have I I I believe that Jenny has every right to to have said at any given time, and she did along the way. She did try to say, you know what, you need to be in your in the word more. And I would resist that and buck that. Hmm. And and I, you know, I regret it, but I don't regret it with a, a guilt or regret that I'm going to dwell on it. Right. I'm pressing on and moving forward. And and I think we're in a beautiful place now today. But go ahead. Mm. I think to answer the question of how do you not like judge each other or make each other feel judged? I think that coming to Christ, what brought me to Christ was understanding the grace of God. Yeah knowing what I was saved from and what I was before Christ. It makes me choke up to say it because that was so traumatic for me. And so I have never taken on a posture of holier than thou because I so understand God's grace for myself. I can't help but give it to others. And so I have a tendency to be very gracious. So there were times, yes, I would encourage him because that, of course, that's what I knew. That's what he needed was to be the word, but I didn't do it from a judgy. I didn't do it in a judgy way. And I think Mm -hmm. the thing that, um, 
helped me a lot was as we were raising our kids and I could see the different disposition of our kids. I had one child firstborn was so much like me. She approached her relationship with God, just like me. And then my second daughter has such a different, she's very artistic brain and just has a different way of expressing her love for God. And, um, and so I really could see that she's more like Joel, you know, she loves God just as much as all of us. It just looks different. And I can't sit here because I homeschooled them for a season. And I was like, I wanted to be so careful not to be like, it looks like this, you know, I just knew it looked different. It expressed itself differently for her. God created her different. And, and I, I always appreciated that Joel's love for the Lord was never in question, not for two seconds because his character is so strong. He could not be the man of God. He was without a rich relationship with the Lord. And anytime there was an issue in our marriage, rather than be his Holy spirit, I would just pray and pray and God would, the Holy spirit would convict him and he would bring it up. Like I didn't even have to say anything. So that just built my confidence. He's so in tune with the Holy spirit. He loves God. He, his love for God was so evident in every area. He may not dig into his word. Like I like to do, but he manifests the fruits of the spirit all the time. So I just understood that it looks different for him. He's doesn't have the same wiring I have. So the way that looks and is expressed is different. Do we all need to be in God's word? Yes, of course. Um, but I just, there was a lot of grace with that. And I would agree a hundred percent. And I think that may be a better mom too, to our kids, because I didn't just put this expectation on them. Quiet time looks like do, 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 and you go do this. You don't do this. And you're then God's disappointed in you. I just never wanted them to feel that. So I just tried to encourage them, you know, that proverb that raise your child up in a way which he should Mm go. And that was explained to me. It's like an arrow, like an arrow has a certain bend. And so you have to go with the bend of that arrow to aim and direct it where you want it to go. So I always wanted to direct my kids. I wanted to first see who did God create you to be? I want to help you to be all that God created you to be and reach that full potential of who he designed you to be, not who I want you to be. And so I think that played out in our marriage as well. So this is all just formulating as we're baby Christians entering, having kids right away. It's like all of these things God was bringing together all at once. And Mm. just kind of put a bow around it by saying that uh, I acknowledge hundred percent what Jenny just described was so huge and beneficial for me as a husband and a man that she was willing to bite her tongue and just pray it out and watch God work in that way. Um, That was huge because it could have gone a whole different direction with us butting heads and and Mm -hmm. being in disagreement over it. Um, She was faithful in allowing God to transform me and, and walk that out. Um, in a very Christ-like way. Wow. I, you know what, you're describing uh, real life. And I love that because I feel like there's a lot of times, um, well, just two observations. One is I think there's a lot of times when we, we build marriages, um, uh, we, we so get fixated on what somebody is missing uh, in, in their marriage. You know, she doesn't, he doesn't, uh, she didn't, he didn't. And, um, uh, by the grace of God, you guys have turned 
to acknowledge who each other is in good ways. Uh, and um, uh, I, uh, I tell every couple that before I marry them, I said, here's your test of whether your marriage is going up or down. And I said, if a man feels grateful for his wife, it's going up. If he doesn't, it's going down. And uh, if a woman says, uh, I'm going to put it in, in man speak. Um, if a woman says he may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he's my favorite knife in the drawer. Uh, and there's a contentment there to say he's the right one for me. Um, then it's going up. And if she is finding herself comparing uh, in any other part of somebody else's life, go, well, I sure wish my husband was more spiritual or more this or more that it's going down. And uh, God's grace has allowed you both, uh, by your own words here, to keep moving up, keep moving up. And uh, you used a word early on um, multiple times. You got uh, you got good counsel. Uh, you put yourself in a, in a river that good counsel was flowing down because uh, you knew you were living in a river called life that uh, bad counsel surrounded you. Um mm -hmm. And uh, that is uh, that is a, an amazing trait uh, for a couple, but also just for followers of Jesus. Um, and uh, nine out of 10 people who attend church today have never been discipled. And uh, what we've discovered is that um, if you have 100 people, 90 have never been discipled. Of the 10 that have, eight of those 10 were discipled by a ministry like Crew. Uh, or a ministry like you for Christ. I, I cut my teeth in you for Christ for 11 years on staff. Um, and so we don't effectively disciple in that the fact that you guys put yourself in places to be discipled, to be mentored, to be coached along says speaks volumes about that one thing. Um, so let me ask you this question. Um, uh, when you guys were serving a part but serving. Uh, what's one thing, Joel, that you learned about Jenny as you watched her serve? Uh, and Jenny, what's one thing you learned about Joel as you watched him serve, even though you weren't, I mean, you're obviously partners because it's around your family, your church and all that, but it was in different places. What's something that you, man, I learned this about my husband. I learned this about my wife when we were serving in different places. Ready, set, go. Well, I, for for Jenny, a lot and most of her earlier years of serving, because she was so busy with the little ones, um, was in women's Bible study. Um, certainly, she served in other capacities and whatnot, but in, in those years, she was always part of one. And she really um, got into what was a, a, for no better word, a, a trend in the, in, the, in the mid to later 90s of inductive Bible study. Mm -hmm. I dabbled a little bit with that. And so um, my observation was the more Jenny leaned into that, the more she um, not only was just in God's word and learning um, and growing closer to Christ, but, but the relationships that she was building, um, yeah, uh, the relationships that she was building with the women, you know, there were, there were also things that went interestingly, different than you think they would with relationships and just to watch Jenny grow and mature through what that looked like as an adult and even further into years as an adult and just the life is messy and, and being in the church is still messy and we're 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 all broken people still and we're yeah. all still need to be sanctified and 
And just, uh, I think I was encouraged um, as a husband to watch how she grew and did nothing but cause me to want to grow also. Denny, how about you? Uh, So what did I see in Joel? I loved watching him. He would serve with the kids and just, he's always been a really fun dad. Like he just will be goofy and crazy and like, Jumping into like the fifth, sixth grade ministry, that was always like I served in their classrooms as they were little. But when they got to fifth, sixth grade, the agreement was your turn, (laughs) pass the baton. And so he jumped in and started serving in their class in that age group. And that age group was wild. Like they did wild things. They went on and that was the first overnight camping trip retreat kind of thing they would do. He would always go and it was such a bonding time for him and the kids. And he was just all in. He would just do all the crazy dad stuff and super fun. And just, I just so loved that about him because he was just a such a, like everything I would want for my kids and a dad mm-hmm. and, oh my gosh. And then that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just think I just really appreciated and love seeing the way he would jump in and serve with the kids. Cause he didn't hold anything back. He was never, mm-hmm. you know, I'm too cool for that. Or that's just, that's beyond me. Like he would ride the little kid bike, jump off the thing and into the pond. And like, he would just do it all, all the crazy things that like some men wouldn't do. (laughs) Um, and so I just, I just love that about him. He was never embarrassed or, you know, too, too dignified to do fun kid things. And, um, yeah, just the way he loved and served. And also the way he would place himself under the mentorship of godly men. He was also not too proud for that. He's just a very humble guy. And I think I've always loved and respected that about Joel. He was, he's always teachable. Hmm. And um, I would watch that and just see how he, he aligned, he would place himself always under the guidance of a godly man. Oh man, that is such great things. Uh, Does it bother either one of your hearts to hear that from each other? Does it bother? Uh, yeah, it's a good thing, warm, isn't it? My heart brings back great memories, and yeah, it's nothing but reinstill where we've come from and where we're at. Wow, wow. Uh, there's an old hymn, it's uh written by um a woman who was blind, and she would it was all the way my savior leads me. And uh, you guys are uh singing that with your lives, uh, letting God lead you all the way, every step or most every step and the ones that he missed uh you guys have a way of god has grace as a way of covering that going you didn't need that step anyway we got you and uh, so i love that um jenny what has being married to joel taught you about god Mm -hmm. i'm going to flip that question over on you in a second joel (laughs) i think that that unconditional love um, that God has for us, because I didn't experience that in my home growing up, um, having a husband who loves me that way and emulates God's love that way has helped me truly trust and find and receive. Like it's hard Mm. to receive that love. Sometimes that's our biggest, like, block with a lot of Christians who I disciple, they, they can know cognitively that God loves them, but it's really hard to like, know yeah. your heart and receive it that God really loves you. And I think the way Joel has loved me has helped me 
I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I can't say I'm there, but it is, um, I don't know how, where I would be without that because yeah. he is, he has personified and emulated that unconditional love in my worst moments. He's just loves me so faithfully. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is by, I, I keep saying this by the grace of God <laughs> that God, that was the saying. And when we got married, because God, is that good? Yes. Um, the first time Joel and I had a, a late conversation with one another, we had both simultaneously in, in Campus Crusade been leading this this girl to Christ. And but didn't we, we didn't know it. We were both witnessing to her and leading her to Christ. She shows up at the meeting and we're both like, oh, and we were talking to her and we realized, and Joel later comes up and she's like, how do you know her? And that was the first time he and I interacted. And wow. then he ended up needing to ride back to his apartment after the crew meeting. So I was like, oh, I could take you. So I drove him and we sat in my car and talked for three hours and shared our stories. And it was that moment I got home that night and I felt like God spoke to my heart, not an audible voice, but I really felt like God spoke to my heart because I am that good. This is the man that I have for you. And so I had to tell my roommate, my best friend, I was like, I'm only going to tell one person this. I felt like God told me this because I just want you to be able to testify and be a witness that God told me this because that just wasn't my story. And I didn't, I had a pattern of dating guys who were like the worst. <laughs> I, I had a very broken picker yeah. <laughs> pick well. And so when I met Joe, I just felt like that's what God was trying to tell me. This is the kind of love I have for you. Mm. This kind of guy, like yeah. you'll choose someone so much less, but I have the best for you. And so that was a huge step of faith for me to trust that God could be that good. And um, so that was kind of the saying throughout our marriage was because God is that good. This is yeah. the man I for you. Like, that's what I felt like he told me. So at our wedding, we had these little scrolls of paper tied up with a ribbon. And that's what they said. It was because God is that good. And it's been our saying throughout yeah. our marriage because God is that good. That is so cool. That is so cool. Um, Joel, what, what has uh, being married... Uh, to Jenny taught you about God? Well, I guess I would reiterate some of the things I've already mentioned. Um, Jenny's ability, uh, like we talked before, about being able to allow me to just kind of walk through my own personal stuff <laughs> without trying to point the finger um, and be able to just pray it out and love on me regardless. Mm. And that, that ability to do that combined with her absolute undivided persistent pursuit of the Lord through his word, through saturation of his word and also just ministry because we've done so much within churches and together as we mentioned so much of that i think along the way would just build more and more of an assurance that she loved me mm-hmm. that um god's spirit is evident and prevalent and um it would always, uh, I think, Jenny, God working through her and watching her sanctification um, work itself out with between her and the Lord really has done nothing but cause me to want to um, 
in the earlier years, maybe not rise above where I should be as a man and leader, but in the later years, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Jenny can tell you, I'm in a way different place than I was before. And a lot of it's because of the years I watched her and the benefit it had on me um, being able to just draw from that power and that strength that God was doing through her um, and us having that same desire uh, together has been impactful. Man, that's so, that's so great. I, um, I, I believe you. And that's, uh, you know, I was just telling somebody the other day that, that uh, more than energy in a, in a, in a community of faith, you need believability. Uh, you need to believe uh, that somebody, what somebody says is true. Uh, and that it's, that's true in their life. And it can be true in, in, in my own life. And I believe you guys, um, when you guys are thinking through your, your uh, marriage, um, uh, th- I hope this question is not too personal, but um, uh, what cycles have you broken that you'd say, you know, we're, we're the first Harmons that never had to deal with this. We're the first uh, uh, part of this generation that uh, we broke cycles. Our kids didn't have to face these things like we did. Uh, what are some cycles that you two go, we we broke these because of that one thing, um, that, that Christ-centered thing. So what, what are some of those? Well, mine's pretty easy on my side of the family. Uh, grew up in a family where my father, uh, none of us, as I mentioned earlier, were Christians. And it, on top of that, my dad was a big political um, figure, you know, starting at about four or five years old, 1970, you know, he was in the Libertarian Party, I would go to state fairs, and he would be speaking politics. So when he was in public, he was a professing atheist. Mm. As a young man, not going to church at all, um, not becoming a believer till I was in my, my early 20s. Um, what came along with that also were two affairs my dad mm. had, where the second one uh, was the day after I graduated high school, he called me and said, well, I'm not coming home, son. And good luck to you. I love you. And, and bye. And uh, that's a whole other story. But but that one was really devastating. And uh, by the miracle of God, he came back three months later. My mom took him back in and he gave his life to the Lord within a year after that. And he mm. paid away. So that is not something our kids have ever had to see because of what we've already shared. And that is huge that they haven't had to go through that because everybody knows it's gone through that, how hard that is as mm-hmm. a spouse, a child. Um, those are tough. And then of course, Jenny has hers and she could share. Some. Can I reword what you just said? Um, yeah. You've given your kids uh, the security of a promise kept. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that is powerful, uh, because that means they trust you. Uh, when you say promise, Hey, I'm going to deliver, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, when you're goofy in a fifth and sixth grade class, because the teacher, uh, uh, is going to make them play with swords and not crayons, you know, whatever it is, uh, they believed you because, uh, whatever they knew, they, they knew our dad knew how to keep a promise. Um, wow. Way to go, sir. That's amazing. Uh, that's a, that's, that's, everybody needs to know what that's like. Jenny, how about you? 
I think the cycle that I can see broken for me from generations before me um, is emotional health and stability. I think there was a lot of um, emotional growth that was stifled because of life events <laughs> um, for my mother and my father and their parents. And I just think that um, in spite of the challenges I have faced, God has just done a work in me where I have been able to, to break through that and rise above that and respond to life with a depth of emotional maturity that was only forged by, by God. And mm. unlike my parents and lineage before me, I have Christ and yeah. they didn't. And so um, that is the cycle I would think was broken. I just, um, just I, I, that's the only way I know how to word it is yeah. like an emotional stability and maturity where I could go just under that layer and go deeper and not respond to things um, in a broken emotional way or, or um, defensively, I can hear something hard and, and not just have my immediate reaction be defensive. I can hear something hard and seek to understand it and, and look for the root of it and grow through it and with humility and, and grace it, that I never witnessed mm. in, in my parents. Uh, following Jesus gives us the ability to breathe and respond rather than to uh, react uh, in a huff. You know, we cartoons show people, you know, doing the uh, heavy breathing steam coming out their ears and what have you. Um, but uh, uh when the Holy Spirit lives in us, uh, one of the gifts of or fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And he allows us to take control over that part of our life. And uh, that is such a great cycle to be broken. Um, uh, I bring that up because um, the one thing that you guys would identify, this, this Christ-centered uh, passion for Jesus and each other, um, that is uh, that's that's um that's the legacy of a father and a mother. You know, our children are not our legacy uh, because nobody puts their legacy on people with free will. Uh, I mean, God doesn't even do that. Uh, <laughs> the legacy is the fact that you guys have made some decisions. The legacy of a father is is to keep promises. The legacy of a mother is to is to breathe and allow grace to enter before reaction or before insecurity. Wow. I mean, I, I love that because everybody needs to hear that. You know, everybody listening to this podcast, married or unmarried, everybody who's going to find this uh, in perpetuity somewhere down the road and go, hey, I want to hear that, uh, needs to hear that story because um, we live in an age now where most couples who get married have to break a cycle. Uh, something in their lives. They have, something has to be broken. Um, let me let me ask you to do this. Uh, would you give a couple that's doing well some encouragement? You got a couple out there that go, man, we're clicking. God is doing good stuff in our lives. We're happy. We're serving. Whatever it is, uh, give them some encouragement. Well, you know, uh, 
one of the things we haven't mentioned, um, which is almost like a, it's not right to say, but an unfair advantage is that Jenny and I, a few years back, um, got very involved in leading a marriage ministry. Mm -hmm. And as a part of that, different curriculums and things that we've studied and where we are in the last three years at the church we're at, uh, Jenny went through uh, what is a very intentional biblical counseling ministry and a, a very intentional certification. You don't just go out and start counseling afterwards. You have to shadow others. You have to be observed and then go before the panel of leadership to be even able to meet with somebody. With all that being said, I have, uh, we also lead a small group together, been doing that three years, has an arm of that. But I just have started what is a se the seven-month training that she had mm -hmm. gone through to a year and a half ago. And doing all of that together, um, we're, we've been able to meet with a lot of couples. So to answer your question about what kind of encouragement uh, I th think we could give is that um, to continue to individually pursue, saturate yourself in the word beyond what maybe you've ever done. Yeah. And for me that has enhanced all the more because of the technology we have when it comes to podcasts, YouTube, uh, sermon series um, that are super expository type teaching. Yeah. So I may not have the time or the desire to be in and reading, but oh my gosh, I, I'm, I'm blessed with being able to work from home so I can clock in and clock out. Um, and, um, but I can also, I'm blessed to have a, a, a witch up on the weekends that I work in and I'm able to listen to the same podcast while I'm doing that as, as opposed yeah. to just music. So, so saturating yourself individually, growing closer to God, each of you at the same time, even though you're maybe doing ministry and you're really doing, 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 because there was a point where all I did was do, but I was neglecting the individual aspect mm. of growing in the word and closer to God, even though I was serving so much. So my encouragement is to make sure to saturate yourself, really walk that out well. And as you do that both together, you'll grow closer together. Jennifer. I love that. Good input. Um, an encouragement to a couple that's doing well. So yeah. they're in a good place. Yeah. Um, I would just say don't um, allow that, that good season to let your guard down. Because I think sometimes when we're doing well, we can become laxed in ways to guard and protect our marriage and our walk with the Lord. And I think that we can tend to coast. Sometimes sometimes trials are a gift in that yeah, way yeah. because they, they force us to have to really dig deeper. But I think don't ever take a good season for granted. Don't let that be a cause for like, oh, we're doing so well. We can kind of chill on some of this other stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like, don't ever stop pressing in, like Joel said, first and foremost to the Lord and doing the hard work yeah. of having a healthy, healthy marriages don't just happen. Yeah. It's two, two sinners being married to one another that if that, that you just, you have to work <laughs> to have that scenario be good and be healthy. So I would say if you're in a good season, praise the Lord, give God glory for that. Um, but also don't take it for granted and don't allow it to cause you to relax in areas. You have to keep pressing on. You have to guard and protect your marriage. You have to do the hard work of having a healthy marriage um, and just keep pressing on. And I just think God is uh, uses marriage as 
uh, it's a platform for the gospel. Mm. It's a, it's, Amen. it emulates the gospel. It is a picture of the gospel. And so when it's good, that's great. But um, remember it's still, and, and give God glory for that. Allow God to have the glory for that and let your marriage put God's gospel on display. That's so mm. great. But sometimes um, it's, you know, the saying, it's like, we're either coming out of a trial in a trial or going into one. (laughs) That's life. So if it's a good season, praise God for that. But also be in a place where you're so you're building such a firm foundation that when the storm comes, you're not going to be shaken. Yeah. Yeah. That's such great input. Um, uh, I always try to encourage people to not apply wisdom when they come to a trial but apply wisdom long before uh, because then you know what you're supposed to do. You know, when you're in the building industry, uh, you don't make decisions in the point of crisis. You make decisions with a blueprint. You make decisions with elevations and, and structures and, you know, those decisions are already made for you. And uh, so when you come to uh come to a, a decision where something isn't lining up, you go back to the blueprint before you say, well, let, forget that part. Let's just do this. Um, uh, and that's that's a part of um, uh, what I hear you both saying. And uh, let me let me uh, throw another question at you and then we'll get we'll start to wrap this up here. Um, right now, there's somebody out there who has made a promise uh, and then realized that the promise of loving for a lifetime uh, has been challenged because they had a death. They lost a baby. Uh, They um, were caught in a financial situation uh, that has crippled them and pulled them apart. Uh, uh, He was foolish with something and now she's struggling to trust. Uh, She has been critical uh, uh, of his spirit and all of his best efforts have gone unappreciated. They're just struggling and they're struggling to say, I, we want to keep the promise. We just don't know how. Could you could you speak a little hope to them? I think a significant part of our story we haven't even we haven't even mentioned. I would <laughs> when, agree. Twenty one years ago, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and so that has been a huge part of our story. And it is now progressed to the point that I'm in a wheelchair and that is and disabled, and that dramatically changes so much about life and the things we thought this season of our life would look like, um, where I need so much help and, um, the things we thought we'd be doing this time in our life. We thought we'd be able to travel and do all these things. And you'd be amazed how much being disabled changes all of that. And the limitations that I now have because of my condition are put on Joel Uh and, um, to be able to, trust God through that and love each other through that is, um, is it's a, it's been a beautiful thing for us. It, um, it's revealed. I think when you go through the fire, it reveals what you're really made of. And I think going through this fire together has revealed, (laughs) can't say it's not Uh Um, the true source of, our foundation is solid gold 
It's just solid gold because it's built on Christ. And um, through all that we have gone through and the struggle we face daily. Still. Um, and it's only going to get harder. Yeah. It's a progressive disease and I've entered into a pretty solid decline. Um, it's just been even more beautiful because I get to truly experience my husband love me as Christ loves the church. He gives himself up for me every day. And his love for me is so beautiful. And it really is a true display of the gospel. And our kids, our grown adult kids are getting to witness that. Yes. And then see that how that impacts their marriages. And um, it's such a beautiful gift. That's what life is all about. We could think it's all about happiness and health and just me. I want I want me to be good and feel good. That's what the whole goal of life is. It's like, no, the whole goal of life is that our lives would glorify God. Mm. The chief end of man is to know God and glorify him forever. And that is what is bringing us the deepest joy we've ever had in our entire lives of all the stories we've shared. Like we have the deeper joy than we have ever had. And we're in the hardest place we've ever been. And I just, uh, I don't know. I just, does that answer your question? Well, yeah, I, I would just add to that, that, you know, um, just to be real and raw and honest, you know, there's, there's a point where we knew this point would come where she would end up in a wheelchair, which has only been the last couple of years, um, where we can't, I can't, Together, we can't just take a trip to Europe and just go hiking in the Swiss Alps or, or anywhere, anywhere. And can't so even walk on the beach together anymore. Being so outdoorsy and sports minded as we both were in all our lives that, you know, that that was hard to walk through, but it was short lived and being hard. And that fortunately, together, we have really approached this is our story. This is how we're suffering, but how can we make the best of it? Lord show us. And we've done that with our kids and our family have seen that too. We've really said, um, let's, we can't take a trip to Europe or anywhere else. Like everybody else seems to be able to do like, you know, in our age and whatnot, but, but what can we do that we're going to build memories mm -hmm. with our condition we are in? And we've really leaned into that. At one point we got kayaks because Jenny could row a kayak, but she can't walk that well and so we all did that as families and we did that for a couple of years that was short-lived that was short-lived it was a comfort to try to get it but 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 we but we did it and and it was fun and every and all the, the the kids enjoyed it too um and we, and we could go on about that um so i think what jenny is sharing is that there's beauty in suffering yeah depending on how you lay it all at the feet of Christ yeah. and walk through that and allow him to have you both walk through that. You know, thank you for sharing that part. And I knew uh, we hadn't gotten to that yet. And I wanted to, I wanted to frame it a little bit with that question. Um, uh, pain does not make us smarter. It doesn't make us wiser. It's Christ's presence in our pain that makes us smarter and wiser. Cause we all know people who hurt, and are still just as big a knuckleheads on the other side of their pain or in the midst of it. Um, and uh, it's it's leaning into Jesus and saying, God, you have a purpose for this. And uh, we embrace that purpose. 
because uh, we want to look like you, Jesus. That's yeah. all we really want. At the end of the day, uh, we want others to have seen Jesus in the midst of our pain, as well as the midst of our joy. Um, let me wrap up with this question. I'm going to throw it to both of you. Um, I started asking this, uh, uh, I don't know, to different friends and different pastors and leaders that I interact with. Um, what's the bonus gift that you got with each other? You know, you knew getting married that God had, he's just that good. He gave you this guy uh, that was that was going to break all the cycles, build security. What a gift. You knew marrying her that you you married somebody uh, whose grace was going to inspire you uh, to, to become everything that you want to be um, in your own way, give you the freedom to be you and yet be more than you've ever thought. Um, you probably maybe knew some of those things going in or suspected, um, but what's that thing that you went, you know, when we got married, I had no idea that this was going to come with the package, um, that this was going to come with the commitment. And, uh, and it's so great. And uh, what's that one? That, you know, oh boy, this is the ice. This is the rose in the corner of the cake that we all fought for as kids, right? Here it is. What is that thing that you guys would say? When you married Joel, when you married Jenny, I think it really goes back to uh, we have the, a moment that we both know, we both share, where we were engaged, but we were still in college. And I remember being near the free speech area, um, standing out for an event we did with Campus Crusade. And we both were about ready to part. And I just remember holding and embracing Jenny and looking into her eyes and knowing with absolute confidence that our desire, our attraction, everything about that moment that I can always go back to and it and know that it is the spirit of the Lord that drew us to each other first yeah. and foremost. Absolutely. I saw her as beautiful and all of the human aspects of what the world would do when it comes to pursuing somebody else. But the beauty has always come from our faith in Christ yeah. and walking that out together and knowing that and always being able to go back on that. Um, as far as what I couldn't anticipate um, through all of the years is never would have imagined that Jenny would have gotten MS and or the different things we've gone through and the family, you know, issues and whatnot. Never would have imagined we would have faced those, but to just beautiful story of how God has interwoven and redeemed us through mm. that restored us through all of that yeah. is just off the charts and I couldn't imagine it being anybody else but Jenny from day mm. one and this day even greater I love that. Uh, the song we had sung at our wedding during the ceremony we had two friends who led worship at the church we were at in college and they just played the guitar and sang this really random song that was never popular like never heard it since <laughs> it's like super random julie miller i don't know if you ever remember julie miller like she had Christian this kind of cindy lopper voice she had a really different kind of voice but i fell in love with the song because it was our story and it was uh, the line of the song was nothing has touched me so deep inside than when i see jesus in your eyes <laughs> and i think that that was that's our story yeah. like we yeah. fell in love with the jesus in one another right. yeah. 
Like when we see Jesus in one another, that is what just makes our love so rich, so deep and, and constantly growing. And I think that like, what's the one thing I didn't expect. I I mean, I, it's everything I thought, but it better. (laughs) It's like, he is, he's, there's been no surprises. He's absolutely everything I thought he was only 10 times better. Mm. And wow. 10 times. You have exceeded <laughs> expectations, my friend. <laughs> yeah, because God Praise is that God. good. Because yeah. God is that good. God is that good. Well, folks, thank you for sharing your story with us and for all those who've been listening. Um, uh, Joel and Jenny, you have modeled uh, what does it mean to follow Jesus from the moment you committed yourself to him, what it means to uh, keep your promises uh, when you wrote blank checks on a wedding day almost 30 years ago, and uh, you're handing to your children something that was never handed to you. Uh, he's just that good. That is what a redeemer does. And so thank you for sharing that with everybody here on Say Yes and Become. And folks, uh, make sure when you listen to this, uh, you like and follow and and listen up on the next ones. And uh, we'll just say thank you. Folks, that is a wrap for us today.